0: Welcome to the podcast of The Table of Minneapolis Church. We are a community that is committed to practicing the ways of Jesus by creating space for all to belong and be loved. Our hope is that in this podcast, in the message that you will hear, that you'll be reminded again of the eternal truth that no matter who you are or what you've done, who you love or what you've lost, the places that you've gone or the places that you've stayed, There will always be a seat here for you at the table. For you're a child of God. And beloved, you belong. Enjoy this week's message. So, we are in this series right now called Bear Fruit, where we are looking at the nine fruits of the Spirit. And what we mean by that is that if your story is being saturated in the story of Jesus, this is what your story ought to look like. This is the bells and whistles of your story. It should be showing up. Love, peace, patience, goodness, gentleness. And tonight in Galatians 5, we'll be looking at the last on the screen here, not the last of the fruits, but we'll be looking at the word faithfulness. If your story... Is being saturated in the story of Jesus, faithfulness should show up. You should be full of faith, filled to the brim with faith. And and so I ask you to consider, are you? Am I? Um, So when I think about in my story, the different things that I am uh, filled with, present tense, I feel like I'm filled with toxins right now. First of all, let me clarify. I feel like I might puke at any minute, Jenny, don't feel 100%, you're fine, we're family, this is what love looks like, okay? So I'm filled with toxins, filled with insecurities, filled with um, Doritos, Oreos, envy, a competitive drive, uh, filled with anger, coming from where we just came from, but also somehow, strangely enough, filled with hope. But am I filled with faith? I guess it sort of depends for me at least. Uh, what do we mean when we talk about faith? L- like, what is faith? See, growing up in the church that I went to, in the conversations that I held with pastors or, or youth ministers, for me, faith was always a, a cheap answer to very expensive questions. It felt more like a facade. It felt like something that um, I didn't really know what to do with. Let me give you an example. I would go to my youth pastor And asked him questions like, listen, you just told me a story about a whale swallowing a human being, carrying said being, that being praying in the belly of the whale, and then being spit back up if it was no thing. Can you explain that a little further, sir? You just got to have faith. It's seminary. Seminary, I remember having a specific conversation with a professor where we were talking about the divinity of Christ and talking about the Virgin Mary, and I had a question along the lines of, If this is true, that Jesus was born of a virgin, as it says in Matthew and Mark, excuse me, Matthew and Luke, but not Mark and John, and not by Jesus as an adult, and not by Paul or Peter at all, if if that's, how do I, what do we do with reconciling that? Like, do I have to? Like, how do you make sense of a virgin birth? Well, you just, you got to have faith. What about Noah's Ark? What about the timelines in the Bible? I've told you guys before, I'm about um, 50% atheist, 30% theist, and 10% Swedish. That's just kind of my wiring. It's going to be inclined more towards questions than declarative statements. Uh, I'm, I'm prone to wander in that way. I don't think it just fits in easily. And so, if faith is how I arrange my intellectual furniture, If that's what it is, and then just holding on for dear life, in spite of the absence of evidence at hand, if that's what it is, then I guess I would answer no. I don't know that I have, or I don't know that I am, like, filled with faith to the brim. And so is that what it is? That is the question that's been on my mind this week. And to my surprise, as what it's been, um, I wasn't told this prior to this, but this word faith, in the Greek pistis, it's a very controversial word. A lot of different opinions, a lot of different pushing and pulling around what is faith, what does it mean, what does it all entail. Uh, on one hand, I would tell you that if you're asking me what is faith, I would tell you that we really don't know. But on the other hand, I would tell you that what is faith is something that we really don't want to know. Because Paul, when he writes this as one of the fruits of the Spirit, when the theme of faith comes up over and over and over again, while there are pieces of that that do have to do with the arranging of our intellectual furniture, there is a bigger theme to the word pistis faith that says something completely different. Written by people like Aristotle, Joseph of Arimathea, this word is not uniquely tied to the Judeo-Christian tradition. It has life outside of the canon. It has movement, it has legs. And it wasn't about how you carried your beliefs, it was about who claimed your body. It wasn't about abstract um, concepts, it was about allegiance to a king. Where does your loyalty lie? Like when you think about your day in, day out grind, how you go about your life, how you spend time with your, your spouse, with your kids, with your friends, with the strangers, Who, what story does your story submit to? Because as Bob Dylan said, we gotta serve somebody. And at the end of the day, we are putting our story inside of some framework that says this is the way that life goes. And so where do your loyalties lie? Who do you pledge allegiance to? I was reading this article the other day, and they were talking about how Johnny Cash in his marriage with Vivian Cash, he had this um, always-present anxiety about his fidelity when he took the show on the road. Like, would he stay faithful when I am not there? How would he be as a husband? And in response to that anxiety, he wrote a song called Walk the Line. It's a beautiful song. He wrote it in this ballad form, and he took it to Sam Phillips at the studio, and it was very consistent with the sound of gospel music at that time, a sound that Sam Phillips said, that's not gonna fly on the radio, and so I'm not gonna put it out there. They turned the tempo up a little bit. He gets one shot at recording it with an up-tempo, a little bit more speed to it, and immediately, like, the song takes off. It, it goes viral in that context. It's on the radio, it's on late-night TV, it's, it's, it's a hit. And for the longest time, we thought it was just about Vivian Cash, about the anxiety that she carried about Johnny Cash's inability to be faithful. But what Johnny Cash later would say is that what Sam Phillips didn't know was that Walk the Line was my first gospel hit. What he said was that in the same way with my wife, I wasn't able to practice fidelity in the way that I said that I would like to. In the same way with the Christ, I haven't been able to practice fidelity in the way that I want to. I continue to get sidetracked, hijacked, delayed, distracted. But I keep singing this song. Because though I fall down to addiction, though I fall down in a broken marriage, though I fall down, at the end of the day, if you're asking me where my allegiances lie, where I'm trying to steer this story, even in the wayward sea as it gets collapsed and pushed back and forth by the storms, I'm following Christ. That, that's where I walk. That's the line that I'm drawing. That's my story. Can the same be said about yours? This is an important idea, this idea of pistis, allegiance, loyalty, faith as allegiance, faith as a loyalty. And if we don't see it for what it is, we misread the stories that we have. Let me give you an example. I thought about this one about five minutes before the service tonight. It's in Matthew 14. You have this moment. It's been celebrated. It's often used in pep talks, in locker rooms and other places. And it reads like this. If I can find the beginning, this might be it. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. So Jesus has commissioned his crew to get into the boat and go on to the other side. That is the commandment that is in place. That is their orders at hand. And while they're getting into the boat, while they are about to row into the sea, Jesus dismisses the crowd. After he dismissed the crowd, He went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves, because the wind was against it. So Jesus is on a mountain, practicing spiritual intimacy with God, uh, connecting in prayer, centering himself. And out in the distance, he can see the boat that he sent into the sea being tossed and turned in the waves. There's a storm. And so, shortly before dawn, Jesus goes to them, walking on the lake. And when the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus said to them, Don't be scared. It is I. Do not be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, Prove it. Tell me to come onto the water. Now, what's interesting about Matthew writing is that that line right there, trying to have Jesus actually prove his credentials. If it's you, that was spoken by somebody else already. You know who that somebody else was? The Satan, Satan, the adversary. If it's you, throw yourself off the bridge and command the legions of angels to catch you. If it's you, do this and then do that, then we'll buy into it. Now we have told this story, I even believe there are books out there, multiple, that have said, um, if you want to walk on water, you got to get out of the boat. Like let's lift this up as a moment of fidelity that ought to be praised and replicated throughout all the ages. And yet we have this satanic soundbite right here of Peter saying, if it's you, tell me to come you on the water. Jesus says, come. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came towards Jesus. But when he started to see the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little pistis, he said. Why did you doubt? How do you tell that story? Where did the absence of pistis occur? I mean, you could certainly make it into Peter started realizing that he actually can't defy the laws of buoyancy, and he started to sink. He lost faith in that way. He could not arrange his intellectual furniture and hold on to that long enough that he lost his footing and he started to sink. That, that could be true. But did Jesus, when he sent them into the boat, did he tell them that the way of allegiance for them was to get out into the boat, and the moment things get hard, I want you to do a sideshow act and walk on the waters, or did he say to get into the boat and go on the other side? And then when the storm finally does calm down, is it when Jesus reaches out his hand or when Jesus and Peter get back to the boat? We've told this story for so long as this heroic tale, this moment of, I don't know what it is, magic? And for centuries now, especially in the Western world, we've praised this. If you want to walk on water, you got to get out of the boat. We have been cheering this on for centuries. Do you know who was not cheering this story on? The 11 guys left in the boat trying to steer and row across the sea that took 12 men to do it. What if faith is not the courage to get out of the boat and walk on water, but the courage to stay seated and committed and faithful to the task at hand? This is Jesus' moments before when he's in the desert. It's the same challenge that we are facing today. Jesus is there. He has a path at hand. He's facing the adversary. The adversary says something along the lines of, uh, listen to me. You could can, can have it all if you wanted to. If you could temper down the allegiance for a moment or two and I will give you power, I will give you pleasure, I will make it profitable, there will be no pain, I will give you everything you want and more. Just say so. But instead, Jesus takes no food, drinks no water, denies the offer of pleasure and comes out on the other side and says, this is why I'm here, to liberate the oppressed, to feed the hungry, to set free the captive, That same challenge is before us today when we think about these families at the borders. If it's about convenience, let's take the power, the pleasure, the profitability, let's go that route. But if it's about covenant, we say no to that and we show up at places that are inconvenient to show up because that's where our loyalty lies. Are we a community that is bound together by the fact that we like the same amount of things or because this is where our loyalty lies? Are we a faithful people? I was at a bachelor party all weekend long. My brother's getting married in 12 days. And that's not accurate, is it Debbie? Your daughter's getting married that same day. Got up there Friday, and when we got there, it was there for maybe it was a two-hour drive or so, not that important, but um, my brother and I were playing a nice game of bags. I believe I was up 18 to 6 at that point, but again, that's not relevant to the conversation at hand. When we get this call saying, Aaron, Abby, his pregnant wife, her water just broke. Now, she wasn't due to July 17th. But he immediately, we are in, like, full panic mode. Grab your, your, your things and let's go. And so Aaron and I, we get into the car because his first baby, little Mac, is about to be born. Now, as we're driving down the car, I'm a seasoned vet when it comes to all things fathering, as I know you all know and are convinced of. And so Aaron, with this rare opportunity to sit with such a vet, starts asking me questions about, like, what's it like? Like, what's the moment going to be like? And he's kind of getting like emotional as he's talking about it because he cannot wait to meet this baby that his wife has been carrying for the past nine months. And he says to me, I can't wait to hold him. I love this guy so much. He doesn't even know that guy. He, he doesn't even know if he li- he's going to like him. But every parent in this room understands covenant in that way. That come way may, maybe baby Mac grows up to be crazy, who knows what his deal is going to be. But Aaron's never going to leave his corner. Aaron and Abby will always have his back. Because to Mac is where his loyalty lies. Whenever I marry somebody, one of the quotes that I always bring up is this quote from Stanley Howard, where it says, you never marry the right person because you never really know the person that you're marrying. But she went into that marriage with this covenantal understanding that come what may the the high moments the hellish moments when you walk out on me when you say that thing and i say this thing when i do that and you do this the doors are gone the exits are on fire we are not walking out on one another we are for one another do you know how many times if not for a covenantal framework lauren would have left me by now but she hasn't because this is where our loyalties lie we are committed to one another for your story to be saturated in the story of Jesus, it is to be a person who is capable of making that commitment, saying, this is where my priorities lie, and this is how my story will be shaped. Margaret Farley, the ethicist, she says this, the history of the human race, as well as the story of any one life, might actually be told in terms of Commitments. At the heart of this history lies a sometimes hidden narrative of promises, pledges, oaths, compacts, committed beliefs, and projected visions. At the heart of each of our stories lies this tale of our commitments, who we gave ourselves to, wise or foolish, sustained or broken, fragmented or integrated into one whole. Our story is told by how we gave our lives away and how we continued to show up again and again. Being faithful is not about white-knuckling every doctrinal statement. It's about being somebody who knows how to walk the line, being somebody who is committed to showing up in the corner when you are called upon. We don't do it because we like to do it, we do it because that's where our loyalty lies. Pray with me. Jesus, help us be faithful, Lord. Help us to be people who um, prioritize showing up, God. God, who in an effort to love you, understand that your love language is loving one another. How we show up in each other's corners. How we show up in strangers' corners. How we are people who keep our promises. God, we pledge our allegiance to you and you alone. Give us the courage to be faithful to such a pledge. In Christ's name, we all pray together, saying, amen.
1: What a wonderful reminder that faithfulness is not about having all the answers or having, as Matt said, your intellectual furniture in order, but it is about loyalty and allegiance and fidelity. And every Sunday night when we gather here and we get to sing together and we get to hear a message and spend some time in prayer, We get to practice that allegiance. We get to practice that fidelity to a God who loves us and knows us and teaches us about this covenant kind of love that he calls us to with him and one another. And we get to practice that in this act of communion and sharing the bread and the cup together. The night before Jesus died, he sat at a table with his disciples and he broke bread and he gave thanks and he said this is my body broken for you eat this and remember me and he took the cup and he poured wine into the cup and he said this is my blood shed for you new covenant and when you drink from this cup remember me and that's what we do come forward not because we have all the answers or we never di- doubt but we come forward because we have pledged allegiance to the God that knows us and loves us and calls us his own so we invite you during the music to come forward and we have two stations and on the right Maggie you gluten free gluten free yeah. here and regular elements here we invite you to come forward as you feel called during the music. And so with that, please stand as together we pray the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples to pray. Our God who art in heaven hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day us our debts, as we forgive our debtors, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, for thine is kingdom and the power.